morning it's cover two time we're back it's been a little bit it's been a minute uh we went on trips we uh we came back then uh, it felt like man just things happened and then i got sick and uh but now we're back and you know what the 49ers continue to win the longest winning streak in the entire league at five games uh, but lots of question marks as well. I think this is going to be a fun conversation. Absolutely, man. It's First of all, man, it's great to be back. I mean, like you said, it's been a while. Holidays, trips, and uh, feeling under the weather, stuff like that. But, I mean, as long as the Niners still win, I mean, we can endure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Dolphins did. That's the kind of, you know, just absolutely overwhelmed. That's how I was. Yeah. I was overwhelmed with illness. The Dolphins were overwhelmed with the 49ers defense. Right. Uh, what a spectacular <clears throat> performance by the defense in this game. I thought that, you know, of course, you had the Trent Sherfield, you know, touchdown to start the game, which I think caught everyone off guard. It was a misplay by Talano Hufanga. They're adjusting between two coverages because of Tyreek Hill's motion, and he over-adjusted. Charverius Ward went back to the original coverage like he's supposed to. You don't get that from Hufanga. And then, you know, you get a, a poor attempt from Tishon Gibson to make the tackle because he's at a wrong angle. And you get a big touchdown for Trent Sherfield. I thought that it was an interesting way to start the game. What were your thoughts when that happened uh, at the beginning of the game and you see Miami score in 10 seconds? I thought, here we go. You know, because, <laughs> I mean, if you watch that Miami team, that's the, probably the most explosive team in the league. And so when when he, you hit a play like that to open the game, you're just like, uh-oh, like, yeah. this is going to, this might feel like a little bit like the Chiefs game, you know? So I was definitely scared the beginning of the game. I, was, I just didn't know how it would go. But the way the defense rebounded, beautifully. Yeah, it was uh, it was a quick adjustment. And I think a lot of that has to go with the 49ers offense goes out there and no, they don't get a touchdown, but they moved right down the field. It was like, boom, boom, boom. Jimmy hit uh, Christian McCaffrey on the wheel route. You know, a, a pass that he had missed the week before he makes the throw. And it's like, yeah, the, the, the drive stalled. We got a field goal and it kind of felt like, okay, we're in this game, right? We landed a jab. We landed a couple shots. You may have hit us with a big hook, but here we are. And I thought the defense coming out and shutting them down on the next drive uh, really changed things. It could have went bad though. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't come in. Right. It was Brock <clears throat> Purdy. Um, but you know, this 49ers team is so <clears throat> resilient. And whenever you have a caliber of defense, like the 49ers have, you're always have an opportunity to win, man. That's the truth. I mean, the way this defense is playing this year is almost at, it's at a historic level. I mean, it's no small task to go up against this Miami team. I mean, when you got Waddle and you have um, Tyreek and you have the speed that you have with that offense with Mostert in the backfield to come out and shut that team out, like the running game was non-existent. Yeah. Like the linebackers are lights out. <laughs> I mean, they are just the linebacker play we're getting right now is it's it's crazy because you know we we had Patrick Willis, we had Navarro Bowman and. Well, like going back and watching the film on them, you're just like, man, like they were special. But this unit we have now, it's it's special. You know, it's like you could really compare the two eras, like which one was really better. But just to play the defense from from all three levels and Nick Bosa to everybody, they 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 put on a show defensively to, to stop that offense and Mike McDaniel's like that Miami team almost you could you could call them San Francisco B. With all the ex Niner players on that team, yeah. it's it's crazy. You know they came into this game with their hairs on fire, expectations to to try to run it up on us. But the way the defense showed up and showed out was amazing. It was, you know, and and you've got <clears> some people trying to put little 
little holes in the 49ers, you know, performance. You got Chris Sims coming out and saying that there was lots of open receivers and that it wasn't really the 49ers defense, but it was lack of execution, you know, by Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Uh, but I watched the film and and I've seen what happened. And really what happened was plays like Fred Warner tipping that ball away over the middle of the field caused Tua to believe he needed to get the ball throw it, over the top. It was layered throws that were difficult for him to make. And that was because the 49ers linebackers underneath were getting the you know deep enough drop to make him feel that way. Or Talano Ufanga was sitting in those zones and making him throw over the top. Those layered throws are not easy. If you throw it at too much no. of a line, it's an interception. It's going back the other way. And if you sail it too much, it ends up being an interception because it floated over the top. I thought they put a, enough pressure on him as well. I thought it was a smart very educated performance coming from D'Amico Ryans in that defense. And I think they proved again that it doesn't matter exactly what kind of offense you have. We're going to find a way to slow you down and be able to, you know, give our offense an opportunity to win. I thought the defense did so good. And Eric Armstead coming back was a huge reason why. It was, it was. And they were getting pressure all day. But uh, just to add on to what you said, I mean, the linebackers control the middle of the field. And that's what was huge going into this game. Because if you watch Miami in their previous games, they hit those slants. And like you see uh, earlier in the game, Sherfield hit that quick pass and he took it to the house. And they have the speed to do that. They have the speed out, out wide to exploit you like that. And so it was vital to control the middle of the field yeah. like that. And Tua, you look at Tua, Tua don't have the strongest arm strength. He could hit some guys deep. But he, he underthrows a lot of guys when you, when you throw it deep. But... Um, over the middle of the field, he's really good. Yeah. You know, and the way the Niners controlled it to where, like you said, those layer passes, it's hard to throw it over a linebacker to your receiver and complete a pass. It's just, I mean, it, you got to be a special quarterback to do it. So the game plan was beautiful and the way it was executed was, that's how you have to play the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, the irresistible force meets the immovable object right. because the Dolphins are the best in the middle of the field offense in the entire league. And the 49ers defense is the best at stopping it. And, you know, it was 59% of the passes that Tua Tagovailoa throws are over the middle of the field. Jimmy Garoppolo was at about 57%. That just shows how much this Dolphins offense relied on going over the middle. And Fred Warner's a big reason why they stopped it. But also Drake Greenlaw being able to run with Tyree Kill all the way across on a drag route and stop him. And, and even then stop himself from just suplexing <laughs> oh, Tyree yeah. Kill, taking yeah. him to Suplex City. Uh, he, he held up and he just said he just wanted him to know, hey, if I wanted to end you, I could have. I thought that was very cool. But you're right. This linebacker group was fantastic. Dick Bosa and Eric Armstead got it done on the you know on the defensive line. And then we had some great secondary performances as well. I'm looking forward to talking about that a little bit later. But the big story comes from one of the littlest guys on the team. Number 13, Brock Purdy. Uh, didn't know his number was going to be called, but Jimmy Garoppolo breaks his foot. Uh, good news as far as Jimmy Garoppolo goes. Seven to eight weeks, potentially, there is a chance for a return. But Purdy comes in there. And I don't know how you felt about it, Warren, but when I watched him, the first thing I thought was, you know what? This dude, this moment's not too big for him. No. Uh, he stepped in there. He he was not a deer in headlights. He was a guy who had full control. He understood what it was about. He had moxie. Uh, and he went in there and he made the throws that he needed to make. Kyle tried to get him, you know, get that run game going, run on first down, run on second down for his first drive. And then he's forced with a third and, and medium. And he gets in there and he fires the football and he gets a first down. And I thought that set the tone for how the rest of the game was going to go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you if you close your eyes and you put the number 10 on him, he looked like Jimmy G out there. I mean, the guy, 
he wasn't afraid of the moment. I mean, he he went out there in in a tough situation, you know, in a big game, and he played well. He played yeah. confident, you know, and that's what you want from your backup. And I mean, I remember watching him in the preseason this year, and um, I, I, specifically against Houston, he made some really nice throws in that game, and that that stuck out to me going into the year because you never know if you're going to need these backup quarterbacks or not. Exactly. With the way these quarterbacks get hurt, so how he performed against Miami was it was it was. I was at first when Jimmy G got hurt, I was afraid. I was just like, right. It, you know, the season, the season might be <laughs> over and I hate yeah. to waste this type of season with how it was looking. And he just came in and they, he didn't flinch, you know, the offense, the offense looked like Jimmy was still on the field. So I, I really feel like he was, he's been prepared for this moment. I mean, four years at Iowa state and you know, he was no slouch at Iowa state, you right. know, since he left Iowa State, you know, I haven't heard about Iowa State at all. And During his four years at Iowa State, you would hear about Iowa State. They were competitive. You know, they were a team that, you know, they weren't complete, competing for national championships, but they were in the mix. And that's squarely because of Brock Purdy. So I was super, super impressed by what he did to coming in a tough spot, losing Jimmy G and performing the way he did in a big game. Yeah, this is a dude that's got no lack of confidence. You're talking about a guy that was a high school player of the year in Arizona, uh, a guy recruited by Alabama, but yeah. turns down Alabama. And, you know, he's not the only one. Brandon Ayuk also turned down Alabama, surprised, you know, funnily, uh, <laughs> before he went to, you know, Arizona, um, Arizona State. So there's a lot of things, you know, that are, are about Brock Purdy that just shows he has a lot of confidence and belief in himself. And I thought that, you know, your initial thoughts on what happened when you heard Jimmy was out was my thoughts as well as like, oh, no. Uh, we have a championship caliber defense. We have a really good football team. Without Jimmy Garoppolo, without Trey Lance, uh, we might not be able to win the Super Bowl. Right. And then I think what happened during this game, and and I'm gonna you know keep it as honest as I can, is I started to have a little bit of belief. Well, wait, if if Brock can do this, we have a chance to win football games. If Brock can continue to do this, but we got to keep in mind as well, because even though Brock Purdy had himself one heck of a game, and he did. Uh, and he, you know, he beat zero, you know, blitzes. He did a lot of really good things in this game. There is also chances when quarterbacks come in and they're not expected to, and they play really well. And then the next week when it's their time uh, to start from the beginning, they don't do good. They're Correct. like relievers. Correct. So I want to give it time to see how Brock does for, because this is going to be the time he's getting all the reps. He's getting all the attention, you know, as, as far as in practice and game planning and everything. Will he start to think about that? Will that, you know, overwhelm him? That's number one. And then number two, now a defense is going to prepare for Brock Purdy's strengths, Brock Purdy's weaknesses, and then Tampa Bay is no slouch. Are they going to come in with a game plan to take away Brock Purdy? I think they're going to put it all on Brock Purdy to win the football game. I think they're going to come in, try to take away McCaffrey, try to take away Jordan Mason running the football and say, Brock Purdy, you're going to have to beat us, and we're going to give you a variety of different looks. We're not going to simplify it like Miami did, going zero blitz and allowing you to read man coverage. We're going to give you a variety of different things to look at, and let's see how you handle it. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like these next few weeks, that's going to be that's going to be the telling part about it. Let's see how he performs the next few weeks, because when you get inserted a game in, into a game as abruptly as he did when the injury like that happens – other team hasn't got a chance to game plan for you. They haven't got a chance to prepare for you. Half of these guys probably on Miami's defense didn't even know who he is. Yeah. So 
Now, you know, let's say he puts three weeks of film out there. Now you get defensive coordinators. They have something to watch. You're on film. Now they get to learn your tendencies, what you're about, what's your strengths, what's your weaknesses, and then now you might get exploited. Yep. And in the playoffs, you just amplify that times 10. You know, like the playoffs is just – it's just a whole nother, a whole nother season. It's just – it's different football to watch. So I'm super confident from what I've seen in this short little sample size we've seen for uh, Brock Purdy, but I want to see – I want to see if he can progress. To me, a big litmus test for him is going to be can he win in Seattle. I mean, for Niner quarterbacks, that's been a place where you go and you die. You know, it's just, it's a tough place to play, especially in front of that crowd where it's raucous. Seattle is, they're a good team this year. Let's face it. Nobody thought Seattle would be in a position they are right now. Seattle is, what, one game behind us, I believe, or two games behind us? Yeah, they're, they're a game, uh, game overall in the record, but because the 49ers hold a victory over them, it's like, you know, one and a half. Right. Yeah. So they, 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 they're close into us in the, into the standings, but I would love to see Brock, Brock Purdy go to Seattle, perform well, get the win, and that will tell me a lot about this young rookie. Yeah, I think we're going to find out real <clears> quick. <throat> I mean, the one thing that we do know is Brock Purdy is going to be the starting quarterback against Tampa Bay. And against Seattle, that is for sure. If he's not playing up to par in those two matchups, we will have a different conversation about a, a different type of quarterback. Because I think the Four Years would have to make some sort of a move, right. whether that's Drew Brees or Philip Rivers or whoever else. I think the hope is that it's going to be Brock Purdy because he already understands the offense. He has the confidence of the team already. It just makes it easier. Um, but right now, I mean, we just don't know. There's so much unknown with right. Brock Purdy. I like what I saw, but that doesn't mean it's going to translate. I hope it does. Don't get me wrong. I hope he goes out there, lights it up, lights Tampa Bay up, or at least does, you know, a, a good enough performance, 23 points or so, wins the football game. I think everyone would feel good about Purdy. And you're right about the how important that Seattle game is. The 49ers win the next two games. The 49ers are clinching a playoffs while like Absolutely. that's that's a, that's a wrap. Yeah. Uh, so that's how important these are. And I think if he gets a win over the Buccaneers, the confidence level of Brock Purdy is going to shoot through the roof. And this Absolutely. is not a guy that lacks confidence. Guys don't turn and do those type of end zone celebrations. <laughs> uh, the one he throws to Kyle Juszczyk, he turns around. He's already celebrating before Juszczyk even gets in. Uh, the, the dude has got swag. He, he's, he's got some moxie, and I think I like it. He does. He got plenty of swag. And I mean, we're going to need that. You know, I mean, to me, it shows that he's comfortable. He knows yep. what he's doing. The moment's not too big. And like I said, he you, you have four years at a major university. Like, you're ready for this. You know, at the end of the day, it's football. You know, football is football. Yeah, a lot of the athletes out there are bigger, stronger, faster, but it's football. And he has one of the best offensive coaches in the league, and he has the best weapons in the league. Yeah. So it's like, just slow down, get it to your weapons, and they'll take care of you. Yeah, I mean, you could be the biggest, strongest, fastest athlete at quarterback, but if you can't process information tremendously quick, um, you're going to be an average quarterback in this league. You can be a small guy uh, that can process really quickly and get the ball out, and you're going to be more successful than that guy that can't. Right. It's all about processing information. It's all about making the right timely decisions. That's more important than the biggest, strongest guy in, you know, that plays in the NFL. And I think Brock Purdy can process pretty quickly, but we're going to see how that translates in the next few weeks. One thing that came out was that Jimmy Garoppolo could be back for the playoffs. Adam Schefter said... It's not a Liz Frank injury, seven to eight weeks, which comes around the divisional round. Now, Greg Papa was peddling some stuff on KMBR that maybe it was even five weeks. But when Kyle Shanahan spoke to the media, he said it's a extremely outside chance of Jimmy Garoppolo coming back. What are your thoughts about Jimmy's chances of coming back? And then 
you know, at what if Jimmy is able to come back in the divisional round, that means the 49ers won a playoff game. Uh, are you ready to insert him back in over Brock Purdy? I'm conflicted. Um, honestly, that that move is going to come down to momentum, how the team looks, how we're how we enter the playoff, and how we won that playoff game. Right. Um, because if we have all the momentum in the world, you know, Purdy has stepped in, he's taking his team by the horns, and he's the man, he's leading it, and the team looks like they haven't fell off or they haven't changed a bit. And it continues to go forward week after week into the playoffs with with no drop off. I'm gonna want I'm gonna want Purdy to, to to stay at the helm. You know, let's see how far he can take this. Now, Jimmy G. I mean, we've seen what Jimmy G. can do. We've seen Jimmy G. is good enough to get us to the Super Bowl. Um, if we could get him back for the for the run, the Super Bowl run, it's it's tough, man, because we we know he could get us there. You you know and. In the NFC, there's not really a team I fear in the NFC. I mean, you have the Philadelphia Eagles that are, they're the number one team in the NFC, but they don't they don't put fear in me. You know, yeah. there's not a team in this conference that puts fear in me. But when we get to if we make it to the Super Bowl, we got to face the Chiefs. We got to uh, face Buffalo, and you may have to you may have to duel it out in in one of these games. Like I don't know if Brock Purdy's going to be up to it. I don't know if he's able to do it. But that situation is it's just going to be a field situation, you know, and that's that's what we have Shanahan for. Like Shanahan, he has to make the right call in that situation, you know. But to me, it's going to come down to, you know, momentum, where the team is at, you know, and it's it's going to be a gut call for Shanahan. Yeah, I think you're saying it the right way. You know, I mean, if they limp into the playoffs, they go two and three, uh, but they get into the playoffs and you know, happen to win in the wild card round by like a field goal, but their offense was sputtering at 16, 13 or something like that. Um, Then Jimmy Garoppolo could be a welcome site for the 49ers. Right. Not only does he give you that leadership and the playoff, you know, experience, but he also could galvanize that locker room. Absolutely. I mean, they love Jimmy Garoppolo and him coming back could be just a, you know, kind of the spark that you need to get them going. So I do believe that, you know, there are situations where it makes sense for Jimmy and then there's situations for Brock. You know, if the 49ers go three and two or four and one over the remaining five games and Brock Purdy is helping this offense put up 20, you know, 20 to 23 points a game and they're winning by double digits like they've been doing this year then I think you bring Jimmy back as the backup because when right. it comes down to it, he's a better option than Josh Johnson and heaven forbid <laughs> something happens to Brock Purdy. You can roll with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, so I think having Jimmy as an outside opportunity to come back in the playoffs is great news for the 49ers, but I think the rest of it is just figured out over the next five games and how the 49ers perform with Brock Purdy as the quarterback. And if he does a great job, I mean, I hope he lights it up. I hope they go for over 30 points. And when we get to that situation, they're bringing Jimmy back just to be a backup uh, because I think that, you know, I just want this team to win and I don't really care who's pulling the trigger. Right. And it also comes down to what Jimmy you're getting back as well. I mean, yeah, you're going to want Jimmy playing like, like the Jimmy he was playing at and the level he was playing at before he got hurt. I mean, he's playing the best, the best football of his career, but when he comes back from his injury, you don't know if he's going to be second guessing himself. Like the injuries in the back of his mind. We don't know if he's going to be fully healthy. He's still dealing with it a little bit. Um, you don't want that Jimmy. You know, you want the Jimmy that's free of pain. Like, like I said, playing like like the Jimmy that he was before he got hurt. So that's what you gotta just all that plays into it if he's healthy enough to come back. But if Purdy is just balling out, like I like we both hope he is, 
Let's ride. Let's ride the wave. Yeah, and you know that's the thing. If Jimmy comes back, because uh, Brock is struggling, and Jimmy's gonna have a lot of money on his mind. <laughs> he knows that if he takes his team to a Super Bowl and wins, the 49ers can't hold on to him. Uh, they would have to offer him a lot of money to get him come back. So that means he gets to go out there as a free agent Super Bowl winning quarterback. That means no, that number's not good. Add a zero to yeah. it. Uh, that's what Jimmy and Don Yee can do, and that would be a huge motivation for him to do that. But, you know, that's something for another day. And the only reason <laughs> we can even talk about that is because the 49ers have a championship defense, Warren. This defense is ridiculous. We talked about it a little bit with how they played the Dolphins, but the stretch that they've been on, you know, from shutting out the Saints to holding four straight teams scoreless in the second half, uh, it all came to an end, of course, in Miami. But anytime they put up a graphic, and it says that you're about to match something that was done before the merger. Uh, 1938, <laughs> 1939 was the last time my team shut somebody out in the second half for five straight games. Like, you're in rare air. And I think this 49ers defense is in that category. Man, they are. They're in rare air. I mean, you can't say nothing bad about the defense. I mean, I mean, what can you say that's bad? I mean, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a big Niner fan. Going into this game, I was afraid. I thought we were going to lose this game. You wow, know this, really? Yeah, I, I if we would have did a show last yeah. week, I'd have predicted us to lose. I I was fully afraid of this team because of the speed. I mean, yeah, with the speed with Waddle and Tyreek, it's just it's it's one of the fastest team that's ever been in the NFL, and I, I felt like it was just going to be nothing but problems for us. And just the way the week played out for the Niners, I think it worked out perfectly with right. how Shanahan called out the D line, you know, and. <laughs> <laughs> the way they responded and the way Bosa responded. And yeah. it's like, man, dude, like, they, I mean, Bosa's a beast every week, you know, but the, the performance he put on against Miami, it's like, okay, this is, this is defensive player of the year. This is defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa. But the play of this defense, man, is just, I don't, I go into every game now and I'm just like, they can't, this offense, this team that we're playing, they can't do nothing against our defense. Like, we're going to completely shut them out, smother them, and D'Amico Ryan's what he's doing. You know, it's just, it's it's amazing to see. It's amazing to watch week in and week out. Like, honestly, the only offense I fear now in the NFL is the, is the Chiefs. Yeah, you know, the way that the, you can beat the 49ers is by running the football. Uh, Miami is not very good at running the football, and the 49ers stuffed it. But if you go back and you think it was Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears, his running is really what helped you know them win, of course, a monsoon as well. Atlanta Falcons, though, they ran the football right. on them. And then the Kansas City Chiefs found a way to run on the outside using you know the jet sweeps and that sort of thing. And that's how they were able to establish their run game. Warriors come in and shut you down and make you one-dimensional. They absolutely clamp you with the different types of coverages that they run. And then the, the unique scheme that they use while putting pressure on you. Uh, they run a lot of different concepts that throw teams off, and they are they are willing to adjust uh, at the line of scrimmage as you're ro you know as you're motioning as you're doing all those things. I thought this was going to be a tough one for them just because of how much motion you were going to get from Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel motions more than Kyle Shanahan, and that's saying a lot because <laughs> Shanahan has led the league since he came, you know, since he started being the head coach for the 49ers. So I think that overall this defense is spectacular. I now put them as one of the top defenses in the last 20 years. I think they may be the best defense in the last 20 years. That means they're better than the 2019 49ers defense, better than the 2011 49ers defense. 
I mean, they're in that category. You can start mentioning them amongst the Tampa Bay Bucks in the early 2000s, the 2000 Ravens. You know, I mean, they're they're just in that category. Um, it's it's hard for me to say they're the best defense in the history of the San Francisco 49ers because I do believe the 1984 defense is still the best right now, but they are getting to that area. Um, and that's saying a lot. When you add, when you give up just over 15 points a game, that means you have a chance to win every single game you play in the NFL. Right. And that is crazy to say, thinking about where we're at with the current landscape in the NFL and how everything is based on good offense. Yeah, this is a scoring league. I mean, the league wants offense to put up points. I mean, that's that's just the state of football that we're in. But, I mean, this defense, I mean, it's impressive for them to be performing at the level they are with – not even being full at full strength. Yeah. I mean, you look at the injuries. I mean, you don't have Emmanuel Mosley. You know, I mean, it's and you don't have uh Javon Kinlaw. You yeah. know, we've had Armstead out for almost all year. And you look at the way they're performing, it's just like, man, D'Amico Ryan should have had a head coaching job yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's the guy is doing a brilliant job. You know, he's doing a brilliant job, and I would hate to lose him after this season, but I mean you can't keep a guy like that and what he's doing. I mean, it's just it's just amazing. And what I just what I want to see just to complete this is just finish the season with a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. Just just finish the job with a defense this special. You gotta finish the job. If I'm this defense, I'm excited about Brock Purdy. Now I know you I know you want you know the quarterback of the yeah. offense because that's gonna <laughs> help you win. Um, but imagine the type of respect they're gonna get. Cause that's one of the things that helps. The, the Bucks in 2000 and the 2000 or in the early 2000 and the 2000 Ravens is that Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson were their quarterbacks. <laughs> Imagine this 49ers win a Super Bowl and their quarterback is mystery relevant Brock Purdy. <laughs> Fred Warner and Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead can walk into any room and say, huh, you won with Dilfer. Facts. He was legit. Facts. We had Brock freaking Purdy, okay? Mr. Relevant. And I think that that's kind of you know, something interesting. Maybe that can galvanize them even more which I don't know if that's possible because that defense is great. It is. And the, one of the reasons they're great is because of number 97 out there getting Saccaroonies, uh, Nick Bosa. Boy, has Nick Bosa really came on the scene. You mentioned it a little bit when you were discussing him earlier. Uh, but, you know, a three-sack performance in this one, like you said, Kyle Shanahan called out the defense. He said he thought they would laugh about it. They did not, and the Nick Bosa you know, walked up to him and said, hey, man, don't talk S about me anymore. <laughs> and I love that. And I think that Bose is coming on strong right now. And I think the re-addition of Eric Armstead helped him as well. His first stack was on the stunt. I'm sorry, the second stack was on the stunt where Armstead pulls guys away, including the center. He loops around and gets inside and gets a sack. But uh, Bose has been a closer over the last several weeks. Mm -hmm. He is just playing at an all-time high. Yeah, the dude is playing at a special level. And, I mean, you look at where he's at. He's leading the league in sacks. He's at 14 and a half sacks. Yeah. And he missed the game. A game and a half. <laughs> right. Like, like that's what people don't understand. It's like you look at the rest of these guys' stats, they've they haven't missed a game. Right. You know, so how's he not defensive player of the year? I mean, the guys coming into the season, we expected this. I mean, the, he came in in like immaculate shape and he looked great, you know. So we expected this. Like now it's just he's being unleashed on the rest of the league. So I definitely um if he has one more what three sack game. That sack record could be in jeopardy. You know, there's what? How many games we got left? We got about six games, five games, five games, five left. games left on the on the schedule. Yeah. He's sitting at 14 and a half. I think the sack record is what? 23 sacks, 22 sacks, 22. Yeah, I think it's 22 or 22 and a half. 22 yeah. and a half. He could get really close to that. So 
Um, but I definitely expect him to win the award at the end of the season. It's, he's just having an amazing year. Yeah, I think the sack record is, you know, within uh, reach. And, <clears throat> you know, you're going to have a stationary target this week with uh, Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. Um, he's going to be in the pocket. They're not going to have Tristan Wirfs. They're going to be struggling. <laughs> Their other tackle held on every single play against the Saints. Um, that's going to not happen again, you know, and you just you start thinking about it. There's going to be opportunities for him to make plays over oh, the next yeah. five weeks. And I think the 49ers defense is going to have to have big performances. And with Eric Armstead being back, you can't have as much focus on Nick Bosa. But I do think that sack record is in jeopardy. But overall, it's just been uh, a great performance. And it's uh, the first year, really, that he's had to, to come into a season where he's not had to worry about um, you know, getting healthy from an injury. Right. He's, just, he's just got to prepare all year for football. Uh, he had a little bit of a groin thing. Now he has a little bit of a hamstring irritation 49ers favorite thing right now is irritation <laughs> Christian McCaffrey knee irritation Mosa hamstring irritation uh, I don't know what that is last week I was down from throat irritation um but uh, it's just it's just something that's going on right now but I think that Nick Bosa is going to have a huge end of the season and I think they're going to make some big time plays but a guy that's been flying under the radar Warren um playing on the outside and um he shouldn't be able to fly under the radar because Charverius Ward plays on the other side. So you would think a defense wants to come out and attack your weakness in Diameter Lenore. But Diameter Lenore not only held up against the Miami Dolphins and their tremendous speed, but he also had an interception uh, in the game. I just wanted to go and talk a little bit about Diameter Lenore, get your feelings on him, uh, because I think Demo has really stepped up and been a, he's not Emmanuel Mosley. Um, but a solid option opposite of Charverius Ward. And I think he's he's just what the doctor ordered for this 49ers defense. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's playing well. I mean, when Mosley went down, you know, as a Niner fan, we were all worried. You know, we didn't know who's going to fill those shoes and who's going to step in. Um, we didn't know if Womack was going to go outside. We didn't, we didn't know if Ambry would step up. Uh, we didn't know what was going to go on and who's going to step in the shoes of Mosley. And uh, Diamador, he's played phenomenal. You know what I mean, and and I since he's came into the league, even in college, I was really down on the guy. I had a cousin that played at Oregon with him, and uh, my cousin was very critical of him. And you know, I remember games where Brandon Ayuk was abusing him at Arizona right. State. You know, and when we drafted him, I was like, man, that's that guy that our receiver was killing. You know, I was just like, like I don't know if we if we should make this move, but um, you know, when he and when he came in. And he played with us last year. He had his moments, you know. He yeah. had his ups and he had his downs. And this year, you know, he's he's played beautiful. I think he's learned from what his mistakes was last year, you know. And he's really developing into a corner we could depend on, you know. So I'm very encouraged with with what Diamador looks like right now because this is what we need. We needed somebody to step up in the shoes of of Mosley because Mosley was having his best uh, his best uh, year of his career. Yeah. So. Um, I love what I'm seeing. I love what I'm seeing for uh, Diamondo Lador. I hope he keeps it up because I mean, from here on out, it only gets tougher. I mean, you got you got Lockett coming up, you got Godwin coming up, you have you know Mike Evans coming up, uh, Devontae Adams. So I hope he can keep it uh, keep it going. But I love what I see from him so far. Yeah, I've been enjoying it, and he was somebody that when I watched his film when he was coming out in the draft. I was actually a fan of. I thought mm -hmm. Diamond Lenore was a, a player that the 49ers could target late in the draft and that he would be a good option for them. Uh, they did. And then, you know, when he first came out in the OTAs, he got all the hype for everything that he was doing. And yeah, then it was. seemed like he kind of cooled off, you know, and he started to struggle. I thought they always thought they were going to put him in the slot, though. They never did. And then all of a sudden this year he goes in the slot. 
but now he's been thrust to the outside with the injury, and I thought he's held up pretty good because um, this would have been the perfect opportunity for a team to go in there and attack him, especially with all that speed with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and you know, just all the guys that they have. They haven't been able to do it, and I think that's good news for the 49ers. I think Giamato Lenore is very physical. He doesn't miss tackles, and right now he's starting to make plays. There was a, game, a play in the game where uh, Tyreek Hill misread the coverage and went a little bit too far upfield. Giamato Lenore drove on the football and almost made an interception. Uh, he ended up getting the one off Hill's hand, but earlier in the game, it's just those kinds of right. things. You see that the intelligence level's there. The understanding of his defensive responsibilities are there, and that's really what you want, is the guy to be in the right spot at the right time, and Demo's having that right now. Now, is he playing like a Pro Bowl caliber? And he's, No, he's not, um, but he's playing good enough. He's serviceable right now, and I think he's got some upside, which I'm excited about. But I did want to ask you one thing. It's not about Lenore, but I was thinking about this. What was your thoughts on the 49ers signing uh, Jack Rabbit Jenkins? You know what? Uh, I like the signing of Janorius Jenkins. Uh, Janorius Jenkins, to me, was the guy that was always talented coming out of Florida. I mean, even at Florida, he was a shutdown corner, lockdown corner. Uh, you could play him man-to-man against the best receiver, the other team's best receiver. So I was I was really in favor of, of the signing. Honestly, I was... I was confused why why he wasn't even on the roster, you know, because um, to me, Jory, the, uh, Janoris Jenkins, he deserved to be in the league. He deserves to be on the roster. Um, everything I've seen with him, I think he had he may have had some off the field issues. I'm not too sure on that. That might be the reason why he may not have been on the roster. But for on the field, what I've seen from him, even from his days at Florida, he's always been like one of the best athletes on the field, super aggressive and a lockdown corner. So I like the addition to it because it also it gives us some more depth. Yeah, it's a guy that creates turnovers. He makes a lot of interceptions. He can play man coverage, which, you know, D'Amico Ryans likes to do. They've been trying to bring him in for a long time. He was holding out for a 53-man roster spot. They've finally talked him into going on the practice squad. Uh, And now he's insurance in case you suffer an injury. Or if you decide, you know, when we get to the playoffs, uh, if something happens in a game, we don't want an Ombre Thomas coming in. We want a guy with more experience like, you know, Jackrabbit or even somebody else. You know, it could have been Dante Johnson or whatever. I think it's just a, one of those things where the 49ers want to have that confidence, where they have veterans that they can count on in the biggest moments. And I think that's what they're preparing for. So I'm interested to see what happens with Janoris Jenkins moving forward and whether he ends up making an impact on the 49ers in 2022. But the good news is they have him there just in case. I think that's very, very important. I agree. <laughs> now, the 49ers' next five games uh, are very interesting, and this is going to, you know, it's all going to play out, and the 49ers are either going to make the playoffs or not, depending on how these games go. But, Warren, I'm wondering, how do you think the 49ers' record is going to look like over the last five games? They've just came off a – they're on a five-game winning streak, but they've got some tough matchups, you know, and, of course, we've talked about the Buccaneers are up next, and then Seattle. That's a quick turnaround Sunday to Thursday. Uh, those ones are coming. And then you got Christmas Eve with the Washington Commanders, New Year's Day with the Los An- or Lo- sorry, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, sorry, I keep calling them Los Angeles. And then you've got the Arizona Cardinals to finish off the season. How do you think this goes? You know, the 49ers, are, are, are they winning all five? Are, are they, you know, going forward one, three, and three? Or are they going to struggle? What do you think? I think the Niners are fully capable of winning all five games. Um, When I look at the the remaining five games, not one of the teams really scared me. Um, The Seattle game is one that worries me a little bit because it's just our history in Seattle. It's a tough place to play. Um, And they've had our number up there, you know, when we go up there. Um, But 
if that's the only game out of these five that would give me pause, I didn't know the commanders were seven and five. That, that's what I didn't know. Yeah. And I'm actually impressed that they're seven and five. I, I don't really pay too much attention to the commanders. So seeing them, them at seven and five, it's like, okay, that could be interesting. But I mean, they come out here to Levi's. I don't think we'll have too much of a problem with them. Um, the Raider game, the Raider game, I feel like it's going to be interesting as well. Every time we play with the Raiders, there's always a lot of emotions, you know, because that's that's our rival. That's a team that used to be across the bay. Now they're in Oakland. Uh, I mean, now they're in Las Vegas. And then they have one, probably the best receiver in the league, Devontae Adams. The guy just makes plays on, on everybody. So out of these five games, if I had to predict it, I have the Niners winning all five games. Um, with, like I said, a couple of those games being closer than what I expect with the Seattle game and the Las Vegas game. Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, the 49ers are going to probably, depending on how Brock Purdy does against Tampa Bay, be favored to win all these football games. I think the game against Seattle is interesting. Yeah. Um, I think, number one, the 49ers are actually a bad matchup for Seattle. I think if the Seattle Seahawks don't have Kenneth Walker, I think that'll really hurt them. But what the 49ers do on offense and defense makes it tough for what Seattle wants to do uh, with their scheme. And so I think that's actually a tough matchup, but I don't know what I'm going to get out of Brock Purdy. Uh, right. If I'm getting what I saw last week against Miami from Brock Purdy, you're right. Five and zero is is definitely possible. Uh, at worst, you're thinking three and two. You know what I mean? That's at worst. I think where it gets interesting is if you do lose that game to Seattle, and all of a sudden Seattle pulls up even with you. Um, you're it's one of those situations where that Washington Commanders game becomes very important because the Commanders are sitting there with a chance for the wild card. Uh, you do not want to lose to Seattle and then lose to Washington because that could potentially put you out of the playoffs. Uh, you lose the division lead to Seattle and then you lose the wild card positioning to the Washington Commanders. So I think the, those two games are very important. Of course, winning against the Buccaneers is important, but I think those two right there are going to signal how the rest of the season is going to go. And if the 49ers get the first three wins, um, I think that you will see them for sure be able to beat the Raiders. I just think they'll roll through that. And then I don't know what we're going to get the Cardinals if the 49ers decide to rest their starters, which right. I would expect they would probably do, <laughs> knowing that once you win the division, you're, you're going to be at three if you beat Tampa Bay. If you beat Tampa Bay, you're going to be the, the third team in the division you know, once you win your division because uh, then that other team can't catch you. So I think these are very important games. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. You beat the Bucks, you secure that the, the NFC West winner is going to get the three seed. You beat the Seahawks, you secure that you're going to win the NFC West. You beat the Commanders, and you secure yourself a playoff spot. I think it's that simple right. for the 49ers. <laughs> um, and I, I think it's an interesting thing, but you're right. 5-0 and with a Brock Purdy like we saw last week, possible, I think, at worst, 3-2, and just because of how great the defense is. Yeah, I think you highlighted it best. It's, it's, it's going to come down to what type of Purdy we get. Um, if you win these next two games, it's pretty much downhill from there. You know, I, I don't think the commanders have enough to come into Levi's and beat us, especially offensively and the way this defense is playing. They, I don't feel like they have a shot. And then the Raiders, the Raiders are a different team. I think their season took a turn when they got that win in Seattle. I right. think that win for them, it, it changed their whole outlook. So they, to me, that's what makes them a little bit nervous because you don't know they, that team is is a is an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. So you know you never know what you're gonna get, especially on New Year's Day when you go to when you go to Las Vegas. But um I, I agree with you. I mean if you if you take care of business against Tampa, you take care of business against Seattle and then the commanders, 
I mean, it's pretty much down here from there. It's it's time to get ready for the playoffs. It is. It's a wrap. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a wrap. <clears throat> One thing that's going to come up here in the next several weeks, you have Trey Lance, he's on IR. You have Elijah Mitchell on IR, and you have Javon Kinlaw on IR. You have two spots left to bring back from IR. You use six. Uh, you have eight spots. Trey Lance, Kyle Shannon has said, you know, is is not a possibility. Of course, there's a lot of people that still say, no, he is a possibility. So let's just ignore Kyle Shanahan's comments and let's just say you can't trust him with injuries or whatever. Um, and then Elijah Mitchell, they, I think they put him on IR thinking they were going to bring him back. And then Javon Kinlaw, he said last week, was getting close. Who of these three do you bring back if they're both, if they're all eligible? So... The one I say you it's guaranteed to come back, I would say Javon Kinlaw. That's the one I would say you have to bring him back. I mean, the game is one of the trenches. You know, to bring a fresh body like that before you go into the playoffs and a guy that's that big, you need that. You know, you need that for, for what the playoffs is going to be. It's a very physical, physical time of the year. So I would say for sure you bring back Javon Kinlaw. Now you go to, you go to Lance and you go to Mitchell. Um, Mitchell to me, it, it, it all depends on, on Jordan Mason. Um, what we've seen from Jordan Mason, like, I understand why the fan base is so crazy. I mean, the guy, man, he runs hard. <laughs> he runs, he runs hard. And it's like that dude finishes runs. Like I want to see more Jordan Mason. I mean, right. I don't blame the fan base. Like the, he looks, he looks special, man. He really does. And I, I, I'm, sign me up. I want to see more Jordan Mason. I'm sorry. So if we could get more Jordan Mason, we really won't need Elijah Mitchell, even though Elijah Mitchell, he looked, he looked special this season, you know, and it just sucks that he can't stay healthy. It's, it, it hurts me because I know the guy could put forth an effort that could win us a playoff game, you know, win us one of these games down the stretch. And, you know, he's just a great compliment back to have, but you just don't know how healthy he's going to be. You know, let's say we activate him and he gets hurt again. It's going to be it's a waste of a spot, you know. So to me, he's more on the outside. Trey Lance, what what I'm so confused about with this is the reports was it was a, it was an eight week injury, right? You know, so it was four to six months. Four to six month injury. Yeah. Okay. So you see him on the sidelines. He's walking around. He's throwing a football. He's not in the cast, and it's like, all right, where's he at? You know, where's he at in his rehab? Where's he at in his development? If we have a shot, of course I understand Shanahan. You're not going to tell the rest of the nation he has a shot to come back because it's it's very competitive. It's game of shit, you know. But if you have a shot to bring Trey Lance back, you know, it's almost the same as with Jimmy G. You know, it's where's the team at? You know, is the team, like you said, are they limping into the playoffs? Do they need, like, a spark? You know, like, it's it's going to be interesting, you know, yeah. like that 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 one is real interesting because when he first got hurt, the rumors was if the Niners make it deep into the playoffs, Trey Lance can come back. You know what I mean? And so, if you have a shot to bring Trey Lance back, I see. I don't know if you do it or not because one, he doesn't have enough experience. You know, we really didn't get to see Trey Lance this year. We didn't know if he's ready for prime time. He's ready to be the, the starting quarterback of this team. We know Jimmy is. You know, we're about to find out about Brock Purdy. But if Trey Lance becomes healthy and he's healthy enough to play, it's just a tough decision to make. (laughs) (laughs) It's a super tough decision to make. 
Yeah, I, I think I think when it comes down to it, circumstance is going to be a big part of this. And I think one circumstance is Hassan Ridge waits out six to eight weeks. That means Javon Kinlaw becomes important for this 49ers defense. <clears throat> that increases his importance. If a Ridgeway is healthy, you might not. You might, you know what? I would I choose this guy and this guy over because I have other guys. Now, what you said about Jordan Mason is true. Jordan Mason looks the part. He's fantastic. He's running hard. But I'm going to say something that 49er fans don't want to hear, but I'm going to say it anyways. Elijah Mitchell's better than Jordan Mason right now. I know he's not healthy, um, but when he is, Elijah Mitchell takes those runs to the house. Remember, it was a George Kittle hold away from a touchdown run of plus 40. True. That's the difference between Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason is there's an explosiveness <laughs> down the field, not the, the 10 to 15-yard split, which Jordan Mason's fantastic. And I love him. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm cool with him if that's what they decide. But Elijah Mitchell as a one-two punch with Christian McCaffrey is still better than the one we have right now. As far as Trey Lance goes, it's difficult because Kyle Shanahan saying, when you say four to six months, we're on the four-month side of it. Yeah. We're not on the six-month side of it. And you're talking about a guy then that didn't play at all. Now, if you're not going to have Jimmy Garoppolo come back, I'm in the same category. If Jimmy can't come back, but Trey can, then I'm doing that because I think Trey Lance is a better option than than Josh, you know, Johnson as the backup for right. Brock Purdy. Um, and I'm just gonna stay consistent. I think the 49ers, if they're smart, are gonna keep all these options open. Don't put Jimmy Garoppolo on the IR. Leave Trey Lance as a, as a chance, and then you just play it by ear. Which one? If Jimmy gets close, you go with Jimmy because he played so recently. His injury wasn't so intense right. i mean he didn't have he's not having to have surgery right he's having a broken bone in his foot trey tore everything and had to have surgery right there's a big difference between the two injuries and i've heard people say well he's had longer to recover well he needs longer to recover <laughs> because it's a, a worse injury so i think that you just kind of kind of let things play out yeah but the 49ers are in a little bit of a conundrum here because they have three players because i do believe if trey was healthy they'd love to bring him back they have three players they want to bring back and only two spots in which to do it. Uh, if you would have told them that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to get hurt, they probably wouldn't have put Elijah Mitchell on the IR. Um, but True. I do believe that when they put Elijah Mitchell on the IR, they had an understanding that either Trey Lance or Javon Kinlaw weren't coming back. They already knew. Uh, so they probably already know. right. So you would bring, you would bring Trey Lance back in a backup role? I'm not starting. Purdy? I'm not starting over Brock Purdy. If Brock Purdy's <laughs> winning in the playoffs, I mean, think about it. Trey Trey Lance has been out since week two. Right. If Brock Purdy's won you football games to get you in the playoffs, I'm supposed to go ahead and say, you know what? I'm going to turn it over to Trey, who right. hasn't played any football. And my thought would be like this with any quarterback. Right. You know that would have been like the 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 Patriots going. You know what? Let's go ahead and put Drew Bledsoe back in there for Tom Brady. Right. Like you just can't do it at that point. It's nothing against Trey. It's nothing against his abilities. He's fantastic. He's got all kinds of abilities. It's, and I, I'm, I'm saying this with Jimmy too. I'm consistent. If Brock Purdy's playing good enough, you roll with Brock Purdy because he's the one that's got the cohesiveness <laughs> and he's the one that's winning. Now, if he's struggling, that's another story. Right. If Brock's struggling and you're barely winning and Kyle has Trey to come back, but not Jimmy, and he says, you know what? Trey gives us a better opportunity than Brock Purdy, then I got to respect that. We're going with Trey Lance. I'm okay with that. Um, but if you don't if you don't know for sure, no, you roll with the horse that you know already, not the one that's never played in a playoff game, you know, that hasn't right. played since <clears throat> September. That just makes it tough. I, I feel like it's it's a very fragile situation because 
to me, I feel like this could it's when you're talking about quarterbacks, like the I feel like the subtlest things can ruin their career, yeah. you know? And so it it sets up as a very interesting situation future wise for the Niners. Cause if he's able to come back and let's say we we keep Purdy in, and let's say Purdy takes us to the Super Bowl and let's say, I mean, wins or even loses, you know, for next year. I mean, you're in a situation where, like, who's starting now? You know what I mean? And then it's – is it is it Trey Lance? Is it Purdy? You know, and then things like this could break Trey Lance. You gave up so much for Trey Lance, you know? And it's – it's and I almost start feeling like it's the Washington Redskins situation when they have the RG3 and Cousins situation. Yeah. You know? And so it's a real fragile situation, and it's – if you, if it's not handled right, it could be disastrous future wise. It could. I mean, the the thing is though, if if it, if and I don't believe Trey Lance is fragile by mm-hmm. any means, but if Trey Lance's confidence is that fragile that he can't handle competition from Brock Purdy, <laughs> he was never going to be an elite quarterback I in agree. this league. He will take mm-hmm. on that challenge, and you know that's a great problem. Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl. You know what you have next year? You have an old-fashioned Steve Young versus Joe Montana competition, right? Or you have a championship-caliber quarterback that still comes in and has competition. Because at that point, right, that's what Brock would be if he won a Super Bowl. Right. But those two guys, oh, that's a good problem to have. Two young studs at that point. Now, th- we're putting the part way before the horse. Brock Purdy's right. got to win some football games. 100%. Um, but <clears throat> I think that, you know, you're just, as situation goes, you just don't worry about those things. You just try to win whatever games you can win. And you hope you go in there. I know I do. I hope Brock Purdy wins a freaking Super Bowl. I agree. I hope he goes in there and lights things up. And we're the only thing we're talking about is, hey, it, you know, Josh Johnson going to be hanging out on the sidelines for the whole game or what? Because <laughs> um, I think that's just kind of what I want. I think it's it's fun to talk about Trey possibly coming back or Jimmy possibly coming back. Those give us hope. Yeah. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, we need Brock Purdy to win football games. I agree. I mean, we could, we could leave that for the offseason. Hopefully that's a scenario we're dealing with. Purdy wins us the Super Bowl, and then we can deal with the drama later. I won't. But. You know what? I won't be worried about the draft capital we give up for Trey Lance if we're walking away with the Super Bowl. Absolutely, uh, yeah. because that means mission accomplished. We won a Super Bowl in right. his rookie pay scale, uh, and right. then and then what the 49ers decide after that, you know, moving forward, will be what they decide. Of course, Trey Lance will still have a lot of value around the league, right? Uh, but why not go and roll with with two young stud quarterbacks? Let them compete, and hey, whoever wins wins. Right. <clears throat> now let's talk about a real stud quarterback as well, and that's Tom freaking Brady and the and the the Bucks. They're going to be coming into town, and this is a huge matchup. They got a a big win against the Saints. I don't know how they pulled that one out Goodness. of behind. Uh, but the the you know this is a really good defense, but their offense has been struggling more. And, um, you know, what do you think about this Bucks team? And you know, what do you think the 49ers need to do to go ahead and and beat the Bucks? Uh, this is a team I look at, and they're struggling. I mean. They have no identity, you know. They 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 have real no no running game really. I mean, Fournette's been in and out of the lineup. Um, they have a rookie running back in there that's that's he's Sean doing white, yeah, white. That's doing a he's doing an okay job, you know. And and the offensive line is a mess, you know. It's a patched up offensive line where they're they're struggling to protect Brady. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you watched the game last week against New Orleans, New Orleans has an underrated defense. You know, that defense in New Orleans is legit. Like like Shanahan said a couple weeks ago. If you look, you turn on the film of that that New Orleans defense. They have one of the best defenses in the league, you know, and it, it really shows on film. Um, they couldn't they couldn't finish the game last week, you know. They choked. Brady took them down, you know. That's what Brady does. Great quarterbacks will kill you late, you know. If you don't put them away, they'll kill you late. Um, 
projecting them against us, I think we have too much defensively for them to do that to us. I think we're going to completely, completely dominate the game. I think Tampa Bay will have their moments. Um, I mean, Brady's too good not to, not to, not to put a little bit of points on the board. Um, but I don't fear them. You know, I don't look at them as too much of a threat to this Niners team, just because defensively we're just we're just we're just so much. You know, we're too much for teams to handle. And offensively, you know, I expect Brock Purdy to continue what he what he showed against Miami. Yeah, he's going up against a better defense. This linebacker core that they have in Tampa Bay is special as well. But um, I think Shanahan will put together a game plan where Purdy's putting, getting the ball out of there, getting into his weapons, and let his weapons make the plays. Yeah, I think you said it. You know, you were talking about the, the, the running game. And, you know, one thing we talked about earlier was you have to be able to run the football to beat the San Francisco 49ers defense. And they're not going to be able to run the football. I mean, Leonard Fournette <laughs> is not going to get this thing going. They're not going to run. And I think that's going to make a lot of opportunities for the 49ers to be able to play in the nickel. If you can have a nickel, you know, back like Jimmy Ward out there and still stop the run, you know, with six guys in the box or, you know, seven at some moments, I think that's going to make it really difficult for this Tampa Bay offense to get going. And that means clamps down on the other receivers. And, you know, Mike Evans, Godwin, they got Julio Jones. I mean, they're not hurting. No. They've got skilled players. They got Cameron Brait playing tight end. Uh, skilled players abound there in the, you know, the passing game. But, when you know passes are coming, it makes it a little bit easier to play defense. So then it's all about getting pressure. And it, you can, you, when you know a pass is coming, you can pin your ears back and get after Tom Brady. And like we talked about earlier, he's a stationary you know, target. That means Armstead, Bosa, and these guys are going to be able to get after him. And because he can't run, they don't have to worry about you know rush lane integrity. They can just go. They can put multiple moves together. They can collapse the pocket on, on top of him. I think it's going to be difficult for Tom Brady. I think they're going to want to establish a quick passing game. And I think the 49ers are going to squat on a lot of those things early. And then when Tom Brady tries to go down the field, you know, during the middle and, and into this football game, uh, Nick Bosa and them are just going to come after him and get and cause some major problems. I won't be surprised to see Tom Brady throw some interceptions in this game as well because he's not going to want to get hit. And I think the 49ers are going to hit him early and often. Yeah, for the D-line, this is the stat game. Like yeah. you said, I mean, you have a tree back there, you know, all, all respect to Tom Brady, he's had a great career, but, I mean, he's stationary, you know, and this defensive line, they're going to eat. You know, they're going to come after you, and when they see an offensive line that's just this bad, you know, without their best player, I mean, it's it's just going to be fair game. I mean, it's it's they're just going to eat a whole game. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> if, if the Tampa Bay offense, uh, offensive line was healthy, we might have a different conversation Absolutely. because an upright Tom Brady is is dangerous. Still got the weapons out there. You know, and the 49ers do have some spots that you can attack. We talked about Yamra Lenore. Them getting a matchup of Mike Evans on Yamra Lenore could be something of a problem. Mm -hmm. Lenore's not big. Uh, you know, and all the receivers for Tampa Bay are. But when you can give safety help, when you can disguise coverage and things, I think the 49ers are going to be, you know, A-OK. -okay. But yeah, I do want to get a score prediction from you, Warren. 49ers versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How do you see it going? I got Brock Bur Purdy getting his first win over over my goat. I have Brady as the goat. I know Niner fans won't like that Get too much. <laughs> Get out of here. But yeah, I got the Niners taking care of business fairly easy. I have uh, the Niners winning twenty four to nine. Twenty four nine. I like that. Um, and you can't call him the goat because he still calls. He's from. He's literally from the Bay Area, and he calls it San Fran. 
Nobody from the Bay Area is okay with him calling it San Fran. It's not San Fran. It's San Francisco. It's the Bay Area. It's ridiculous. Come on, Tom Brady. Sarah High School should be you know disappointed in you for all this. Oh, but 24-9 is a, a good score for the 49ers. That'd be an impressive win for Brock Purdy, scoring 24 points against Tampa Bay's really good defense. And then holding Tom Brady, you know, to what three field goals? Three field goals. Uh, that that's a, that's a great matchup. That would make me feel really good about this 49ers team moving forward. And I think if if that was to come to pass, uh, the 49ers are are I mean they're just right in the middle of it still. I think you'll start seeing Vegas believe in them even more. You'll start seeing you know them stay up there in the power rankings because. Uh, that would be an impressive performance. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Sarah High School, I think they're doing it well this year, huh? Yeah. I Sa- think they're in a, a state championship, aren't they? Yeah, Sarah does good pretty much every year. Every yeah, year? I went okay. and watched them a, a couple times at Sac State um, playing the state championship games. Right. Yeah, they're they're a good football team. You know, they, they really are. Every single year, uh, they, they produce at a high level. So, okay. yeah, one of the better schools in, in okay. Northern California, uh, Sarah High School. Okay, I didn't know they. I you always hear the De La Salle's and now Folsom and everything yeah. like that. And I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know Sarah was good year in year year in and year out. Like yeah, that, but. year in and year out. I mean, it, it felt like they were there almost every single year. Okay, at the state games. They're 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 a good football team. They're well coached. Um, you know, and they they come from you know a, a part where there's a lot of talent. Um, they get. I mean, they get a lot of really big football players. So okay. yeah, they're. They're an exciting team to watch. And oh. we got the state championship games coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for that. So all right, Warren. Well, what a great episode this was. Uh thanks everyone for watching another episode of Cover Two. Looking forward to next week. Hopefully, we're coming off another 49ers victory. Yes. Which would mean Brock Purdy has just taken down Warren's goat in Tom Brady <laughs> and already put himself, you know, up there as one of the best. I guarantee you, Brock Purdy will not call it San Fran. <laughs> I hope not, man. I've never heard Brady even say San Fran. I literally watched the video of him saying it today. Really? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's embarrassing. But, um, yeah, man, get ready for another week, another win. Um, Like I say at the end of every podcast, let's just get through this healthy. Yep, let's do it. Stay (laughs) healthy, get the victory, and get on to Seattle for Thursday night football. Going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Go Niners. Go Niners.